Hello and welcome to Make Ideas Reality, the podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to everyday creative heroes making their ideas reality that wouldn't necessarily get their story heard. I hope to inspire you with their stories, give you courage to leave your comfort zone, think big, and be the badass creator you are meant to be. I'm Justin White, aka The Garage Avenger. Let's do this! is my year of mistakes <laughs> cool looking forward to it i love it i love mistakes they bring yeah. the best they're best to breathe they being yeah i can't even talk oh, i'm a useless podcaster yeah. nice yeah you you're making me look like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> well i've Are got really? i've got one suggestion for you but we can wait i can do it live what do you mean one suggestion for Let's leave it. Let's see. I'll, I'll tell you during it. Maybe it'll be more interesting. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Make Ideas Reality. Today's guest on paper is a woman's wet dream. He cares for your loved ones. He'll give you five cc's of Norwegian quake, whatever the hell that is. And <laughs> the sky is not his limit. It's his playground. He is James McEmty from Malt and Make. Welcome. Well, thank you. What what an amazing introduction. I I look forward to spending the rest of the podcast disproving all of those things you've just said. <laughs> Good. Good cuz I, I felt awkward saying that one actually. <laughs> yeah. So don't don't worry. It's so much less awkward hearing it yourself. <laughs> now, um for a lot of people um in the making community, you guys probably know at least know James through word of mouth about a some sort of speakeasy that existed somewhere in an undisclosed yeah. place at Maker Central. Um, uh, I am not sure if uh, James was the mastermind, if he had anything to do with this speakeasy. You know, it's all hearsay. Who, who knows? I mean, if only we had some sort of story time element to this this podcast, then maybe we could find out about it. But such is the way. Uh, so James <laughs> met at Maker Central, um, lovely guy. I, I like immediately felt like, uh, he was someone worth talking to. So he was always on my list. Uh, this was, he was not on my Andy Pugh list. He was, <gasps> he was on my own Andy. list. Oh yes. He was on my own list. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. You made, you made the cut, James. You made the good, cut. good. I yeah. feel I feel even more privileged to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, James. Let's uh, let's open this podcast with a a question that uh, is very unmaker like. Um, what type of doctor are you? So I, for people who don't know, uh, my name's James. I have a channel called Malt and Make, which now I think about it is quite hard to say. Uh, but in real life, I'm a doctor. Uh, I'm an anesthesiologist. So I put people to sleep and all being well, wake them up on the other side, amongst other things. Let's hope that doesn't happen on this podcast, hey? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's likely, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> so so get, let me give you this chat. So you, you're a doctor, but you love to tinker and make things in your workshop 
Yeah. And you also, and the malt side of things, is that beer making? Is That's that brewing? brewing indeed, yeah. yeah. So I kind of, my three word pitch, I guess, is maker, brewer, doctor, probably in that order, even though I guess brewing is a kind of making. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. So where, where did all this start? Well, all this, not the doctoring, we, let's talk about the making, the creative side of things. Where did, where did the making start? I think a lot of people in who, who identify as makers and they're in the community have a very similar story of enjoying tinkering, taking stuff apart when they were young and then slowly learning to put it back together as they got older. And that's definitely true for me. I, one of the things that really resonates with me when people ask me this question is thinking back to when I was probably, I think I was seven, maybe eight. And one of my uh, Christmas presents was a lathe. Now, it was probably about two hand lengths, so 30 centimetres long, 12 inches, plastic, barely could do anything, and had like a weird little drill and a sanding bit. And I loved it. It was one of my most memorable gifts as a child. And I spent ages playing with it and putting it together and then using it. I ended up making, and this is probably going to be an obscure reference for a lot of people, but Conkers. What's a conker? So, oh, thank you, thank you for asking. A conker. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very British thing. So, horse chestnut uh, trees have these big seeds inside a spiky, fleshy outer covering, and the natural thing to do is to take them, drill a hole in the middle of them, put string on, and fight with them. That's so not, the first. That's the first thing I thought about doing. Uh, of course, and. <laughs> So what you're doing is one person's holding up their conker, which is the horse chestnut seed, uh, on the end of a string, and the other person gets to flick their one and try and smash it to bits. Uh, and I set up a, I guess you can say set up a business at the age of eight, selling conkers at school. And there are little tricks. You can put them in vinegar, bake them in the oven. And I had this list of, you know, deluxe conker supreme conker that i would uh drill out the center with my little lathe and while i did enjoy getting a little bit of pocket money making actually quite a bit of money um from it back in the back in the day the equivalent of well, was probably about 20 or 30 quid which in me equivalent now is maybe like 2000 i'm guessing like a, a good chunk of money um and as much as I love that bit, the bit I really enjoyed was going home to go, right, I've sold out. I get to play with the tools. I get to make something and then show it off to other people. And from then on, I kind of kept that idea going. And how I got into making as all well, being a maker, I think, was that I kind of heard people saying, oh, yeah, YouTube. I don't really watch TV. I just watch YouTube. And I thought, oh, OK, I'll give it a go. See who's out there. And I kind of got in through the education side. So uh, Destined from Smarter Every Day, Number File, these kind of uh, scientific YouTubers, I guess. And uh, one of Bob's videos came up. I thought, hey, I like to make stuff too. Huh, that's, that's clever. And slowly I, I found out about the idea of being a maker and make magazine and went on a trip at the end of medical school as part of our education uh, went to uh, Maker Fair Bay area, uh, had an amazing time there, and 
ever since I've kind of clung on to every aspect of being a maker from starting up a YouTube channel, going off and learning obscure skills and just absolutely enjoying every part of any opportunity I can find to learn how to make stuff. Cool. So like were you you had this life as a kid mm. were were your parents creative and hands-on type of people or so both of them worked for British Airways worked for the airline um and so neither of them went to university they went to sort of few jobs and then eventually found their way my dad through the uh, air force into commercial flight and my mom's quite creative she thought about going to art school or sort of studying art in some way but ended up uh, traveling a lot and my dad quite liked to build things he had a little workshop in the back of an aircraft hangar and would you know build a few things but never really it was never building a project it was something needs fixing oh yeah i've got a i've got a little bandsaw i can i can make you one of those so they were they were creative people i think but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it was something that defined them now i was going to ask you um your your father you said your father loved tinkering in his workshop in his his air yeah, hangar or yeah. you... aircraft hangar aircraft hangar okay so did yeah. you have did you have an aircraft hangar is that where your shop was or that is or that is? is where the shop is now so weirdly yeah, okay. we've kind of ended back up where we started in terms of living i i myself live in london and that's where i work but the workshop is down in west sussex which is kind of halfway between the sea and or the English Channel and London. Uh, so it's about an hour and 15 minutes drive from where I am now. And yeah, the the thing my dad was really passionate about was flying. Uh, he did it his entire life. He uh, put all of his efforts into flying and that eventually meant he was able to buy a light aircraft. And we had that in a... Uh, effectively a really big workshop an aircraft hangar at kind of the bottom of the garden and at the other side of the garden there's a big field so that became an airstrip and growing up that's that's kind of what my life was that was everything that was exciting to me was flying oh that's so cool so do you do you fly have you got your license i have so i've i got my license when i was 17 uh, we had the advantage of having a aeroplane already, which is really strange when you think about it, and knowing lots of people who used to be flying instructors or still were. So they would teach me uh, for free just because they were fun. One of them was uh, the head of the RAF uh, test pilot school. Uh, he's probably at the time he's in his late 70s, if not 80s, and mad. You know, he'd, he'd do aerobatics at the end and I'd start feeling you know, tired and sick. And here's this you know, guy who's getting on a little bit, sitting there going, come on, we can do a little bit more. And so, yeah, I, I got my license. Um, but as time sort of went on, it became quite normal, I guess, is the, the way I think of it. And while it still was special, it was special to take other people flying and with the weather in the UK and having a field as your airstrip meant that it was a bit limited in terms of when I could do it. 
I finished school and started going to university, which then pushed me further away. So it was a more of a time, uh, sort of more time driving to get there to do it. And I kind of fell out of love with it. So at the moment, I don't fly. I last flew maybe three or four years ago. Um, and I don't think it's something that I have given up. I kind of think of it as something that I put on pause for now. So did that, is that how Molten Make sort of came? You you didn't have the time to fly, but you yeah. still, yeah. So I was, it was kind of at that time that I was leaning more towards saying, I'm really struggling to find the time to do the hundred hours or whatever the requirement is every year. And it's while the advantage of having the things there already meant it was so much cheaper than it would be otherwise, it's still expensive. It's not a cheap hobby. And I started thinking, what can I do that is a bit more accessible that I can do all the time? And brewing was one of those. So I uh, had some of the money saved up and imported some big stainless steel stock pots from China, um, which actually the first time they arrived, they were tire changers. Um, but that's <laughs> a story for another time and ended up building this brewery. I thought, this is great. Like, this is such a fun project. And then I started brewing and I kind of realized that one of the bits of brewing I liked the most was making the brewery. Mm. And I started at that. So it was that same time that all these factors aligned that I kind of realized there were people out there that liked to make stuff that weren't a woodworker. They weren't a metal worker because I never really put myself into that category. Mm. Think finding a name that you identify with or a group that you're, you can be part of is pretty important. I mean, there's a, straight white male i've never really struggled with needing a group to identify with but <laughs> you know then yeah. finding oh this is a thing that my hobby could be described as that's pretty yeah. cool yeah oh these people do things that i like oh they like making videos as well i you know, did some filming during school of like our youth parliament and weird little projects and you know the school dance show they asked me to film and finding out that there are people who like to make and build stuff who like to record things, share what they do. And, oh, yeah, this is a hobby that you can do quite cheaply if you've just got a little bit of space and free time. And that's how things really kicked off, I guess. So what was one, what was one of those first projects that you really, besides the brewery that you sort of really got into? I think it's hard to, hard to decide. I mean, one of the ones I had at school which was before all of this. So I was four, 15, 16. And there's a book by, I think it's Roy Champion or Ron Champion called How to Build a Go-Kart for £100. And I saw that and thought, yes, yes, I would like a go-kart, please. And for 100 quid, I will definitely be able to do that. Now, of course, that assumes you've got lots of equipment and actually the school workshop was really good um it was really well kitted out they had uh, a little blacksmithing area they had a metal lathe metal cutting bandsaw wood lathes they even had a cnc uh, router which at the time was unheard of um one of the teachers there was really passionate about um sort of that side of things with electronics um at the time i thought that's stupid i'm never going to own one of those why do i need to learn it but I guess how times change. <laughs> and so I went to them and said, look, I really like doing this stuff. I already do design and technology. I 
you know, you're my teachers after school. Can I build this thing in the workshop? Uh, not unheard of. The uh, one of the sort of the head of the department had a pickup truck that he bought as a wreck and was restoring it in the workshop at school after hours, which was quite cool to see. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. That sounds like a great project. Let's build a go-kart. So I bought all the steel and they said, oh, actually, um, if we weld it together and it breaks, then or we might be liable for causing you some damage. I said, oh, no, that's fine. My parents will write a letter. And they said, no, no, that's fine. I was really just using it as an excuse to learn to weld, if nothing else, even if it never went any further. But then it got another hiccup of, oh, no, we can't do this. Oh, we can't do that. We can't let you weld it. And that was the point I kind of thought, well, why can't I just buy a welder and do it myself? So I used my newly established eBay account. And this was before PayPal existed. So I found a welder, sent them a check. And you know, two weeks later, a MIG welder arrived. And I started putting this go-kart together. <laughs> that reminds me so much of when I was a kid, I... I wanted to make a sword mm. and, you know, I knew that, you know, like the battle swords that you could play around with were made out of spring steel. So I went to my local suspension place, asked if I could get a, you know, yeah. piece of spring steel. So there I was, went to the school, said, can I make a sword? And they said, yep. Nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you... they probably had the same reaction as me that when you said the swords you could play around with, I had one that was made of wood. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. They're all made of, like, spring steel and hardenable. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Because I, I wanted to make, like, a like a proper broadsword, too. Like, Oh, yeah, so yeah. not a play sword, an actual sword to play yeah, with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, thinking thinking back, I wonder why they had any objection. I don't understand. One. <laughs> Safety gone mad. <laughs> But to, to be honest, you know, I, I took it home and I tried to do with an angle grinder. Yeah. And realized, you know, like I, I had no idea you could buy these belts, you know, belt oh, yeah. grinders and stuff that would have made my life so much easier. <laughs> so I think I ended up giving up on it. I'm pretty it's... sure my, my mother's got it somewhere in, in the roof of the garage somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the same, the go-kart. I built the frame and I kind of put some wheels on it and then we moved house and... You, know, you find excuses not to do it, but it taught me how to MIG weld. And so in that aspect, I consider it a successful project. That really was the reason I started building it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, that was like the catalyst to starting it all sort of moving forward. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, it might just be with hindsight that you realize it, but it's moments like that that, you know, for whatever reason, someone puts an obstacle in your way and you say, well, you know, I'm, you know, bolshy 14, 15 year old. I can do that. I'm going to go off and luckily had enough money to save up and buy a MIG welder. And yeah, I've, I've, that's still the MIG welder I have now. So that's probably the tool I've had the longest. Yeah, well, I mean, Berkey mentioned last on um, episode 13, you know, like the the best tool I've got is the one between my the, between my ears. Exactly, I think, yeah. I mean, you have to see that too, you know, like if it wasn't for that mind you had to to try it, you know, and, and 
push yourself to to learn how to weld in the first place take on that go-kart project you know yeah you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have gone further than right. just the idea you know yeah well they say you know it'll all be all right in the end don't they and if it's not all right then it's not the end and i guess for that project when they said no you know it wasn't all right i wanted to build it and so mm-hmm. took that attitude and thankfully turned it into something really helpful and inspiring for future me or older me <laughs> well I, i'm a bit confused because in most most of the makers and people we talk to at least the ones with the youtube channels and and you know instagrams and all that sort of stuff um you know a lot of them are trying to pursue this as a career you know choice um, whether you know they're blacksmithing or whether they're woodworking or whatever it is, yeah, a, a lot of them would either dream to be doing that as a career. Um, and I wanted to get your take, being that you're a doctor and it's a pretty noble thing that you've now you've done a lot of study, you've you know got yourself your doctorate, and you know you are a yeah. doctor. Is making something you would pursue as a career it's interesting i i think whenever i hear you ask other people and you say i I think one of the things you say is money no object what would you do Mm. what would you do with your life and Mm. lots of people say oh i would go full time into making this and i always think that sounds really interesting and does sound amazing but it's not for me i think there's such a wide range of people out there in who are makers and often we do hear about the people who uh really passionate and sort of that romantic notion of wanting to be a full-time maker which is really admirable but for lots of us and myself included it's not something i want to do i thoroughly enjoy my job i struggle a little bit when i have too much time off that i get a little bit antsy and i kind of do want to go back to work even though that does mean night shifts or shift work and a lot of difficult emotions and all of the downsides of the job. But it allows me to have a really wide range of hobbies. And I think I do need that difference. I need the creative hands-on making part. And while my job can be kind of creative, as much as you might not think it is, and it is pretty hands-on, it's a very different world. And it satisfies the academic, challenging part of my brain in a way that making doesn't. And I think that the two complement each other really well. So while if I did have money as no object, I would do a few things differently. I probably wouldn't work full time. I don't think I could give up being a doctor. Yeah, I mean, why should you? (laughs) You're saving people's lives. Well, I mean, every, it, it's funny how people say that. It's, some, it's one of the most common things. We go, oh, that's such like good. You know, it's always people who are a little bit, of, oh, good for you. Well done. <laughs> it's like, I didn't really pick the career because I wanted to help people. I picked it because it's, it's very scientific in one aspect, but there's a lot of artistic and creative aspects to the job as well. You know, you can put people to sleep with, you know, there's a range of different drugs you can use and there is probably a scientifically best answer but you've got to take into account lots of different factors and you can put in something of yourself you everyone does their own anesthetic they say and part of the reason you know, i picked the job is that quite selfish reason of it is very 
fulfilling for me to do not necessarily because of helping people that's a brilliant bonus but it's academically challenging it's hands-on it's reasonably well thought of and it's a good thing to do with your life so that in you know 98 years when i'm allowed to retire it, <laughs> i can years. i can i can look back and go you know what i i probably did quite a good thing with some of my life at least so i can make some reckless and horrible decisions in my personal life so it's nice to offset things mm. but yeah it's a it's a weird it's weird seeing it from the two different sides because obviously you spend a lot of time at work everyone is kind of in that same mindset hearing it the other way around still still feels funny yeah because i mean but you i would say you're still helping people oh, as yeah. well like you know and and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you're also helping people in in your youtube videos getting people to sort of see things differently or like solve problems that maybe they thought was a problem yeah i'd never really i'd never really thought of that but i guess you're right it is a it's probably a lot more noble to go off and help people who are sick but i guess a youtube channel is kind of giving back to people in a way there's i can't i don't know which rule it is but one of the the internet rules is that you know if you have a hundred people in consuming content of some way 10 of them will comment or will like or do something and only one of them is actually contributing you know or is, is actually i guess adding you know original content so it's yeah i suppose that is that is you know, a nice mirror between the two yeah so does that mean like for my podcast i've you know the last couple of weeks i've done some typos um and uh, so out of 100 people uh, i've We've got that ten percent just telling me that I've done a typo. Is yeah, that you misspelled your. I mean, but yeah, what, how you wouldn't notice that? It's it's quite simple. I mean, I get pent up about it while it's playing in your car, and you keep looking at it on the screen. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, no, no, no. I, everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> I cha I changed that. I've changed the spelling on the on the podcast, but I just haven't done it on the thumbnail. So <laughs> yeah, I. It, it didn't annoy me as much as it might have done because yeah, it's oh, it's, you know, it's one of my friends. It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're human, you know. I'm human, people. I'm human. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what the robots would say to try and trick you to put a typo in. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a robot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the the Andy Pugh bot account theory. Yeah. Justin is also a bot. You know it. <laughs> uh yeah i can't be so retarded like i'm a robot can't be so retarded as me so it's a safe safe way to you know reassure the listening audience isn't it actually that you know no one could do this good a job at pretending to do things wrong <laughs> um we just touched on it's kind of like helping people with both your medical and and uh and makering um and I wanted to go into Inspiration Station because, you know, I wanted to sort of ask who who helps you, who inspires you in the work you do. So I'm I'm going to turn this into the Inspiration Nation. Nation. I'm going to, yeah. So this is in our in our pre-podcast. I was saying I was going to throw out a suggestion that I like Inspiration Station, but I'm going to do the Inspiration Nation and shout out more than one person. Yeah, yeah. Inspiration Nation. 
So I kind of thought about like who who is kind of my maker hero or who does some things that are maybe a bit different or out there. Um, so someone that I think does a huge amount and maybe doesn't necessarily get mentioned a lot, except around Maker Central Time, is Kiel, uh, so at Kielski, who does the main stage at Maker Central and asks all the questions, but is a really incredible maker who goes out of his way to help people a lot. and normally has disappeared by the time people are there to thank him so he's someone that inspires me a lot in terms of what he gives back to the community that you might not necessarily notice if you don't if you don't follow him a lot uh, and similarly uh, tom from refuse reuse or refuse reuse who in the false tools group made this amazing banner picture uh, of a few of the members out of lego and I think it's little things like that that took a huge amount of time that people will see every day that you might not necessarily think of all the time and you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and check out what he's doing. You might see a post and think that's really cool. And even myself, I had to double check. And I think I have got it right who made it. But he's he's definitely up there on the he should be a member of the Inspiration Nation. Um Damn it, I'm going to have to change this now. Yep, yeah, yeah. Inspiration Nation. This is your fault, James. Thank your... you. <laughs> uh, other people, uh, people like uh, Mr. Jeffrey Smith, who made me some beer-carrying paddles just completely out of the blue and has a really different YouTube channel than most of us have. Uh, lots of short videos, kind of vlogging style, but also a lot of really good knowledge there from renovating houses and he's a really interesting guy i bet uh to sort of talk about or to get on the podcast to talk about what he's done similarly uh tanda madison who is arguably one of my favorite people to follow on instagram and the stuff that she did for the falls of tools treasure trade was incredible i think it was one of the most inspired gifts for someone she did a custom branding stamp uh, milled out of brass. Uh, she made me a, a beer tap handle before last Maker Central with my logo laser etched onto the top. And it was just so simple, but a really perfect thing. I think she's someone who needs a, needs a lot more followers or needs people to go and look at her on Instagram and say, I like that I, and make a comment or just show her some love. Uh, I mean, I could I could go on forever. There are so many people out there uh who are doing incredible things that every day i you know at whatever time o'clock in the morning when i wake up and as a stand on millennial millennial does i look at my phone and check instagram that i start off my day going i've got some cool friends <laughs> yeah not as cool as me <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> or yeah. not definitely not everyone else is cooler than me well there's there's no. the there's the special crew who have a garage avenger uh wristbands that's that's a separate thing from the inspiration nation <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> there's a there's i don't know i can't remember i think i made 30 of those so oh. if, if you've got if you've got one people you yeah you know i want to see you take a picture and dm it to me well, or put it in your stories yeah stories Hashtag GA Nation. I don't know. 
Come up with a better hashtag or use that one and then suggest what hashtag you should use. <laughs> Which means God. I'm going to go and have to find mine from somewhere. <laughs> All right, let's go to random question. Are you ready? Random question. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. Random question. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Short answer or long answer? Long answer. Let's hear it. No. No. Um, <laughs> I I think stuff like I I quite enjoy the kind of supernatural pseudoscience just out of interest. Like I I quite lo- like watching videos of flat Earth believers, but not <laughs> in any way do I believe any of that <laughs> stuff. Um, so yeah, no, no to, no to Sasquatch, no to Abominable Snowman. I like the stories, I like the tradition, I like the law, but I don't think there's a physical thing out there that could could do it. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was hoping someone was going to go, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to have to keep asking everyone the same question. And I mean, then... big Bigfoot, no, but yeah, um, Loch Ness monster, yeah, that's real, yeah. <laughs> Nessie. <laughs> Nessie's real, yeah. <laughs> Nessie's real. <laughs> Let's go into story time. She stared at the dress and thought, hmm, that's something my husband would wear. Oh no, that's which one's that? Yeah, that's that is story that's time. What... Okay. <laughs> story time. She stared at the gown and thought, yes, this is something my husband would wear. I really like that. That's I don't know why, but that makes me laugh every single time I hear it. Okay, uh, so story time. So I'm going to, I am going to talk about the Makers Speakeasy. All right. At both Maker Centrals, uh, I, as a home brewer, thought I've got to bring something that I've made. I think it's quite cool to see what everyone else has made. And I thought, oh, well, I can't really, I don't have any small projects I can keep in my hand. I've got stickers, but why don't I bring some beer? And that starts off an idea of, okay, I could bring a few bottles. And then I saw how many people were coming and I thought, okay, I'm going to need to bring some kegs. <laughs> so the first yeah. year I had a little setup uh, with a couple of kegs. But this year just gone, I brought um, between cold brew coffee and beer, I think it was a 80-20 split. So 80 litres of beer, 20 litres of coffee and a rolling beer serving station with a uh, logo that had been cut onto a pallet wood sign um, which was given to me the year before um, by wood seats wood seats and I had a party in the room I was given it was fun we all enjoyed the beer responsibly and the next morning I got a message from uh, the guys at Brothers Make saying are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Oh, oh God, what have I agreed to? And they wanted me to bring the beer into Maker Central. And this was one of the hottest days of the year, slightly worse for wear, on my own, pushing 60 kilos worth of very top heavy brewing equipment or beer serving equipment from the hotel to the NEC, thinking I'm going to get turned away. And I got in and they (laughs) said, they sort of, looked at me as I went through the door and I just said, Oh, wh- where's maker central. And so that they'd think of answering my question rather than asking me something else. And they pointed me through and said, do you want a hand pushing it up the ramp? And I thought, yes, it's really heavy. <laughs> so I managed to get past that stage. 
And then I stopped at uh, some people who uh, had some cups and they were refilling uh, Starbucks station and said, I don't suppose you've got any cups that I could have. And they said, oh, I'm really sorry, we can't. But actually, if you just call the catering team, they'll be able to get some over to you in the next 20 minutes. I thought, brilliant. All I need to do is get in to make a central now. And I went up to the door. I met uh, one of Brothers Make, either Matt or Johnny, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, just, just put your pass around and push it in and it'll be fine. All going completely to plan. Got into Maker Central, went over to the multi-tool uh, stands that John, uh, who's a brilliant supporter of the community and a top bloke as well, said, bring it over here. We'll stick it behind the stand and we can have a second speakeasy. So aside from having the big parties during the night, we got this beer chiller in, plugged in and turned it on and everything shut down. All of the power <laughs> to his stand went off. That was you. That was me. And I thought, okay, well, I, you know, I, I know a bit about you know, electricity. I can fix this. Traced it back. Couldn't figure it out. So I thought, oh, God. I mean, luckily, he's only he didn't plug any of the grinders in. He just had a, a light-up sign that was made by uh, Steve and, oh, I can't remember his name, Mark, John, uh, Stevens. They've changed their name. Anyway, that light went out, so it wasn't the end of the world. But I pushed this thing there, and damn it, I had to get it to work. So I couldn't, and I had to call up the technical people, and they said, oh, God, technical people. It sounds to me like I really don't know what I'm talking about. The site engineering team. Uh, and they came down and said, oh, well, see, the problem is, right, you've, you've plugged it in, but we've got set power limit for each booth. And I thought, oh, okay, right. So they, they set the amount of power each event space is allowed to have on the first day based on their total amount of power that they use at one point. And they're saying, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You know, if you want to, you can go down to the office and you pay this much. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a real faff. And it's going to be 150 quid just to get beer secretly on tap at Maker Central. And then we're going to have to help hope that no one comes over and says, are you illegally serving beer? Where's your health and safety license? And so I said to them, oh, I, I don't think it's that's a lot of money. And I said, is it based on the peak amount of power or is it an average? And oh, you, you kind of know a little bit about this, don't you? And I was like, well, no, not really, but maybe more than most people who you're talking to. They said, right, right, pal, see what you do. You get an extension lead, go down to that big door over there and plug it in. There's a plug right next to that door that's not on our system. You didn't hear it from us, but it'll work. <laughs> and just a little bit of knowledge then got me to then serving beer, maybe legally, well, for free at... Maker Central. So not only did we have the evening speakeasy, we had the daytime one and most of the guys from the Forge running on cold brew coffee. And I think that's how uh, Joe and Alex managed to beat everyone else, aside from their immense skill at blacksmithing. So good. And your accent of the, the yeah. side engineers is awesome. Well, I, I, I know I will have offended someone at least with that accent, but I thought... <laughs> Yeah, they can they can just DM me on Instagram. Why not? So at least <laughs> yeah. they, at least they're going to visit my page. Uh, yeah, it just makes me laugh so much because I was I think I probably had about three beers there too. Yeah, yeah, it was. It made it all worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but next time maybe maybe both the brothers make and uh, give me a hand pushing it. Yeah, the lazy pricks. Although I heard um, that. 
They're only coming. One of them's only coming on Sunday. Or something. <gasps> oh no! Uh, yeah. So, is it is it yeah. the good one or the other one? Oh, I don't know. I heard it. I heard it on a on another podcast. I you know, do two oh. Irish blokes in a whinging pom. <laughs> um, yeah, I heard it on this podcast. I don't, you know, I won't recommend that podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think I even I even know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's I don't know who's coming, who's when, what doesn't. <laughs> well, if, if anyone fancies the same thing again, the speakeasy bar. Let's let's say it's it's going to be happening in w- in one respect or another. I don't know what I'm going to do to top last year, but we're going to do something. And if we can keep it quiet enough and sort out some sort of power arrangement that doesn't involve chatting up the site electricians to uh, to scam us some free power. Then maybe we'll be able to get in to make a central two. Awesome! Can't wait for that. Awesome! Uh, let's get into hack attack. This is hack attack. I will not apologise for this bad intro. <laughs> I love that. You know what the I've i listened to this before. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, about, you're about the only person that's actually listened to the podcast before <laughs> going on. Yes, I feel well prepared. <laughs> All right, let's let's spin it. You got something? Any tips, tricks? So something that I think is quite useful, and I'm sure people have heard before, is buying secondhand tools, and. I'd heard this so many times and people are like, oh, look on Craigslist. I always thought we don't have Craigslist really in the UK. But the thing I want to say is, and I was quite guilty of this before, buying new tools, you do spend a lot of money, maybe not un, maybe not unnecessarily. You can, you can get a lot more for your money secondhand. And rather than just Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace is brilliant. Um, I managed to pick up a cool couple of things that uh, I'll put on my Instagram page for far less than they should have been worth. Uh, but the main one I found or had really good luck with is industrial auctions and insolvency. So Jacko uh, from Jacko, whatever, I think has got a lot of his tools and a lot of his um, sort of wealth, a lot of his, a lot of the things he's bought has come from industrial auctions. And the big thing with, those is that most of the time they're being sold by someone who doesn't know what they are and they are the price you're paying is based on the fact you're probably going to have to get it out there yourself now for a lot of things that's if you want a lathe if you want a mill you probably can't get it out of there yourself unless you happen to own a machinery moving company but you can hire a machinery moving company to go and get it for you yeah. they're not that expensive it's fairly common for people to do it so if you're looking to buy a big mill lathe something semi-industrial that's a really good route to go down but they also have lots of collective auctions of tools of generic woodworking lot and they don't really say what's in it but they have huge amounts of things that you can pick up for 10 quid 20 quid and often you're going to get something that's either a bit older but works really well uh, or something quite valuable, or you're going to get a lot of tat mixed in with something really interesting. So I would suggest for people in the UK, sites like Bid Spotter 
are really good. Um, eBay, I don't really look at, but almost all the tools I've bought in the last year um, have come from industrial uh, auctions of companies that go under, uh, including blacksmithing equi- equipment. So this weekend just gone, they had a leg vice uh, for £115, um, which is pretty good. Uh, if you if you're in the market, you're getting good and cheap at the sacrifice of time. It takes a long time for anything interesting to come up. But when it does, and if you're willing to spend some time going to get it, you end up with really good tools that are much cheaper. And while you don't necessarily need the tools, if you find that your time is limited, often they can you know, speed up your process a bit. And don't be afraid to get three-phase equipment and either just change the motor. Motors often are um, standard sizes and you can figure out what size they are and buy a new single phase one, add a bit more power in so that you compensate for that change or add a variable frequency drive, which I've done to a big disc sander and a metal cutting bandsaw that made them go from something I'd never be able to run to completely functional things that work on a standard household plug. So. Mm secondhand tools but hopefully a bit more information about how it is that i actually go out and get these things and not just buy cheap old stuff which is brilliant advice if you know where to look and know what to get love it all right let's wrap it up uh do you want to leave the audience with something that they can uh, take home with them at the end of this podcast yeah so i think something that's quite important is to do something every day that scares you And I'm sure I've stolen that from Eleanor Roosevelt, maybe from someone else. But the idea of worrying about something, I think, stops a lot of people doing stuff. Whether that's something as mundane as, oh, I really don't like talking to people on the phone, but, you know, someone over there's got a really interesting uh, project. I'd love to speak to them about it, but, oh, I don't really need to. And Oh, actually, you know what? Leave it. Doing something like that that scares you just once a day immediately expands your your world of possibilities and soon you'll find yourself far more comfortable doing things whether it's going to a metal supply shop to the oh it's a bit scary and a bit industrial and they're probably gonna you know think i'm an idiot well most of the time they don't care that you're there and would happily just sort something out for you quickly so you leave which is normally what they do for me um (laughs) Yeah, whether it's something like that or whether it is starting a big project, whether it is accepting that you're probably going to mess up this, but it's a good learning opportunity. So go out there and try and do something every day that scares you. Awesome. Where can people find you, James? So I'm on YouTube at Malt and Make. That's M-A-L-T-A-N-D-M-A-K-E. And the same on Instagram at Malt and Make. Um, Like everyone else, I am on Facebook, but I'm really boring. So don't bother trying to find me there. boring i am instagram and youtube version of me is much more interesting so go and go and look for him all right guys well thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh james really appreciate uh you spending time sitting down with me and sharing a bit of your story thank you for having me it's real real pleasure to be on yeah um thanks everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed uh the podcast please tell a friend if you uh like the podcast and if you could manage to to leave some sort of review or even just rate the podcast on your podcast app that would mean the world 
to me and also my guests because that brings awareness to them to others that may not know they exist yeah um please do that would really appreciate it then um and i wanted to say to everyone keep pushing yourself uh keep ballsing up things keep learning and i'll catch you on the flip side yeah and <laughs> the after show all right oh, wait, no, that's a different podcast